Hi, I'm Dole. And I'm Jordan, and I got something to say. I, got, I actually got a few things to say uh, this this episode. Uh, I want to talk about some some news stories uh, related to the pandemic situation, and you know, sort of uh, society and the economy, and just uh, humans. Really, let, let, let's let's be. I want to be as direct as possible with with the the reason why I want to talk about these things. The human aspect of the situation we find ourselves in, the things we're trying to uh, to do to get through it, to to you know make sure life can go on, to make sure everyone's okay. Um, but it's a couple of news stories that that have come up, and they came up. I, I guess originally uh, both of these are are a week or two old. Uh, as the as of the recording of this podcast, which is May seventh, twenty twenty, and the reason why I want to wait a little while for them to 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 talk about them is to let them develop a little bit, you know, to get some uh, some secondary and and even tertiary potentially action on them, so that we can have may, maybe a little bit more of a complete view to kind of talk about how it unfolded, what our opinions on are are on it, the, these situations, and, you know, just generally um, what that means in a broader sense, not only for us specifically in this situation, but just, you know, generally as humans and, uh, I mean, human interaction is, is one of the most important things in the world, uh, keeps the world going, right? So uh, all of these sorts of specific uh, incidents have meaning and have impact on the, that kind of human interaction. So the first one that I want to talk about, I think, was happened bef- first uh, earlier uh, in 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 the timeline, <laughs> um, and that would be uh, in Texas. Uh, and this was in in Dallas actually, and in fact, uh, I, I want to add to it. There's there's a couple cases like this in Texas, but the one I want to speak about is that there's a lady in Texas in Dallas that uh, she had a salon and uh, she posted on Facebook that she uh, wasn't going to be shutting down because, you know, she had to be able to make money uh, to support her, her family and for her, uh, the, the stylist or, or whomever worked for her, for her employees to be able to work to make money for their family as well. Um, you know, they, they wanted to take uh, sensible precautions to run their business, uh, but they still wanted to run their business because... They don't want to be out on the street. They want to be able to, you know, support themselves, support their family. Um, and uh, what ended up happening is she got arrested um, and charged with, I don't know what, uh, really, what can you charge someone who's just running business for, right? These these are mm-hmm. claimed to be in violation of particular orders from the government for you know, sheltering in place, you know, only essential businesses, quote unquote, essential businesses being open. Um, and it's really strange. Like how, how do you, how do you book a crime against something that's actually not a law? So, um, so do I, 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 there's been some unfolding after this fact of it happening too, that I want to talk about, but uh, maybe before we, we get into that, um, have, have you've heard about this, right? Do sure. I'm assuming, yeah, you know, kind of tagging on to what you were saying about the these orders there, uh, I think uh, technically they would be considered executive orders. And um, I, I, I'm not certain that the executive or- orders have the full force of law, and but they're uh, acting like they are, right? But uh, in, in some states, uh, I've actually read several of the, the executive orders coming from the governors, and they are 
uh, strong recommendations, sug suggestions, and there are some requirements, but by and large, they're, they're worded in, in such a loose way that, uh, you know, there are lawyers probably that wouldn't be able to, to discern and, and divide the, the word clearly enough to, 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 to give a total understanding for, you know, the layperson and, uh, and certainly the layperson, you know, someone running a business that, that, you know, can't, you know, divine the law, the wording of the, the, the language and laws or executive orders for that matter. Uh, but yeah, th this is one where I think there's a, there's a, a particular, uh, uh, concern in my mind, uh, about, you know, the, the, uh, both sides of the equation, right? I mean, the, the right of the, the state to, to provide some protection for the citizens, but then also the, the individual rights. And that's, that's getting into uh, historical liberty te uh, territory, in, in my estimation, sure. uh, that I think is uh, uh, you know, pretty, pretty powerful, pretty, uh, pretty important, quite frankly. I, I definitely agree with you. Um, and the, the, the part about this that I guess irks me the most is that uh, you mentioned the right of the state to protect citizens um, and putting aside whether that is Maybe I should said responsibility rather than right. Okay. But, but yeah. even, even putting it aside that as a, a uh, responsibility of the state or not, um, I, I, that's, that's immaterial. I think mm -hmm. to the point that I'm about to make or want to make is, which is they are, the order, executive order, applied in this particular scenario is being enforced to protect a third party that is neither of the parties involved in this business transaction. Right? So that sure. that that's being enforced not to protect the, the person selling not to protect the person buying and not to protect the public in the area of where the, the buying and selling is happening. It is only to protect the theoretical, not even, you don't even, we don't even know for sure the theoretical other people that those engaged in that transaction might come in contact with. If it so happens that they, one of the people, one of the parties involved in that transaction uh, has this virus and that not only that they have it, that they are able to transmit it to somebody else and that the person that they transmit it to has any, you know, negative ramifications of contracting the virus. Cause we, we know that many, many, many people, uh, maybe even a majority of people who contract the virus have no negative ramifications of it or, or no, no negative ramifications that couldn't be, that wouldn't be mistaken for uh, cold or, or in some more, more worse and worse scenarios, the flu. So hmm. you're, you're talking about leaping, multiple levels to get to a point where you you can even construct an argument that the state's trying to protect anybody in that situation. Um, and in fact, you can say that, and this is the point I think that the, the proprietor is trying to make in her stance is, uh, you're, you're actively, uh, causing harm to other people by doing that because you're preventing a human from being able to provide for, they're there and they're them and their own, you know, and that's problematic. Like w at that point, you're, you're starting to say we can command when the economy works and when it doesn't, we can regulate trade without limit. We can, you know, reach into all these other half dozen parts of life because if, if you're regulating 
trade and you're re- regulating voluntary interaction like that, then there is literally no difference between r- regulating that and regulating lots of other uh, voluntary things like marriage. I mean, you, you, any kind of human interaction, right? It's, it's abstractable sure. to any kind of human interaction. So that's very yeah. problematic. Yeah, I mean, and, and to to, to uh, respond to one of the things you, you mentioned about uh, true injury or, or or harm to the proprietors, the, the the people that are trying to operate their business, that is an absolute known uh, harm, injury, yeah. uh, uh, injury, versus the potential risk. And to your to your point, not even not even an absolutely known risk, but a a potential risk that could be realized. And, um, you know, it, it sort of uh, concerns me about uh, individual liberty, um, you know, from the standpoint of, of the person, right? And, you know, I, I use a little uh, a euphemism or, or some sort of an old saying I picked up from somewhere. I heard someone say it, you know, my uh, right to throw a punch ends at the end of your nose, right? And the, the thought being, I can do anything I want to as long as it doesn't harm you. Um, and I think what we're seeing is the government not taking that part of the responsibility of protection uh, uh, as clearly as, as I think they should. Um, uh, not anti-government. I'm not saying that. So I'm not, that's not the point here. But it's more a point of the reaction to um, this pandemic that we're all experiencing and facing and how people are so emotional uh, about the reaction and the response that it, it isn't measured or balanced uh, in such a fashion to ensure that the least harm is done or no or least harm is done for the greatest benefit, uh, whether it be individually, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, societally, you know, in a, in a locale or a state or even in the country, uh, there doesn't seem to be that that counter counter view. It's all about you know, the, the outcome of the, 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 the pandemic and the, the number of infections and the number of deaths and certainly not wanting to minimize or, or, you know, say that doesn't matter. That's not important. It's absolutely important. But when you look at it in a greater sense, we do that every day. We do that every year. Yeah. This nation, this country does and our locales do, right? The, the whole thing about all these other diseases that, that people, you know, encounter that we live with year in and year out, the, the tens of thousands and the hundreds of thousands uh, of people that suffer and uh, die from the, the diseases that are part of our, our natural norm. You know, it's just it's sort of a, a given. We see it day in and day out. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where uh, no matter what you're talking about from a risk perspective, if you take a myopic view to try to completely eliminate one risk that you're exposing yourself to, then you're just going to be susceptible, extra susceptible to the other risk that you're normally more prepared for. And that's exactly what's happening here. It's it's really, really strange. Like, um, It's almost like uh, a lot of these organizations and and governments are are acting like um the only way you can die right now is if you die of this virus like there's no other way to die right now or no other way to get sick or or no other way for for you to have your life impaired and it's like that's not couldn't be further from the truth um again to your point not that this isn't a serious situation that's not what we're trying to say but there are other serious situations in the world too we can't ignore those 
Right. So, so let me ask you a question because I, this is, this is a question I struggle with and, and, and I know there, there are lots of, of, of perspectives and, and points of view on this. Why do people, the decision makers, the policy makers, the, the bureaucrats, the politicians, the government leaders and, and what all, why do they take such a strong stance on, on this in this particular case? What do you think about that? Why is this so different than, than others? Other scenarios. What is it about this? Is there some logical, uh, some logical aspect to it that that says, "Oh, we must take this hard stance because of this circumstance or this factor." So um, there's a lot of I think human psychology that plays into it. Um, I th- I think there there's multiple answers to your question. I, I don't think there's any one thing that's the answer to it. Um, I think that. There is a um, general human need that when presented with a crisis, somebody thinks that they need to act immediately and decisively to address the situation um, and, and trying to be proactive about addressing the situation. And I think in, in some ways that's respectable, right? Because sometimes that's what you need, right? When somebody, when somebody has been shot, you need to go and put pressure on that wound. You need to react immediately. That's, that's just clear. You got to do that, but it's clear. You got to do that because you've, you, you know what the result of somebody being shot means, right? You know about blood loss, you know about this, that, and the other, um, or somebody being cut, you know, you know, you want to really, you know, cinch it up. It's like you know all those things because it's something you've experienced before. The thing is, we've not experienced anything like this before. So the uh, action of of uh, of doing something now is usually when you don't know what's going on. At best, the coin flip, right? I mean, you're, you're gonna maybe you luck out, and yeah, that's helpful. Or maybe you make it worse. The problem is, and I think this is why we see that there's this kind of pervasive approach at doing something, because uh, there is a rudimentary understanding of. Uh, I, I can't say I, I have I have to be direct when I say rudimentary. I mean there's like a an elementary school understanding of of health and of epidemiology and stuff like that that sure. uh is, is pervasive in in the the uh, population because most of us have only had you know a general type of education and so the action that's going to be taken whether in this situation or any situation right is usually going to be if it if it's a if it's a imminently critical situation and and somebody thinks they need to take action immediately they're likely going to take action that would in some way, rationally approach, uh, uh, address the very elementary type of understanding of the situation at hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then when on the backside, if things were, you know, uh, not too bad, they can pat themselves in the back and say, yep, look, it, it, it worked. Uh, or if it gets bad, it gets bad. Then they have, and this is, this is why I take any action at all at the beginning. They have the opposite argument. Well, it would have been way worse if we'd not done this. It's like, no, you don't know that. Right. Either way, you don't know that. So, um, uh, so th- I think that's, that's one of the reasons. I think another reason is that, um, uh, people, would, and I think this is more slightly, maybe more generous uh, 
assessment. I think people would generally rather be lambasted for for quote unquote sins of commission than sins of omission. So actually doing something to try to address the problem than trying to take like a laissez faire. Well, just let's see what happens. Approach. Um, the problem is, and, and and it's kind of funny that I say laissez faire because this is you could see this very clearly in the economy, just generally, not not right now, but I mean just in throughout history that when somebody does get involved with the economy things don't really get better <laughs> it right. makes things worse generally and that's and and this is one of the things that um uh i had a youtube video recently that i, I spoke about that the economy is human action that's all mm-hmm. the economy is and so just because um we trade money like you you give me you give me goods and i give you money uh, for something, and then there's some transaction there. That's an economic activity. But me, also me going to uh, an art gallery is an economic activity, regardless of me paying money to get in. Let's just say I get in for free, and, and it's not like state sponsored or anything. It's just complete gratis, right? You know, the artist mm-hmm. sets up a, a a bunch of art and says, "Hey, come look at my stuff." Me going to that is also an economic activity because I'm trading my time for the ability to see this artist's art, right? And so. Any kind of action, human action, and especially human interaction, is economic activity. So, uh, a situation like we find ourselves in, getting involved in it like that, it's it's an economic activity, right? Where that that influence is going to uh, prevent some timelines, let's say, from happening. Because it's blocking certain action, right? And it's going to promote other timelines to happen because it's incenting other action to to happen. And so more action is going to happen in the way the timeline that gets incented. And so what's going to, the outcome of there is going to be whatever it is. It could be good, it could be bad. And it's always going to be justified, right? It says this happened. Uh, it's going to be tried to be justified in the most positive sense possible because these are the people who are in power. And so they're, they're going to make these declarations that, you know, either because I made this decision and put us on this timeline, it's good, or it, it stopped it from being worse because the other timeline's worse. You just never know because you don't know the alternative. So mm-hmm. it's an economic, it, it, it's in my mind, this is how I conceptualize all stuff like this. It is these actors, government here, let's say governors, putting their hand into the economy and, and messing around with it and, and uh, using economy in that broader sense and not just the, the money, monetary transactions. Sure. You know, kind of, kind of tying uh, some of the uh, earlier points about the, the, the Texas uh, uh, hairdresser or, or uh, hair place that was, the lady was, you know, didn't intend to shut it down after the stay at home order. Um, and, you know, and, and you mentioned about, we, we know what to do or, we, we at least have an idea of when someone is, is shot, you want an immediate action to stabilize, right? That's not how right. you heal. That's not how you heal right. that it's, individual. It's to stop if, from if, dying. If, if that's the only thing you do at some point in time, that person will expire, will likely expire if they were Correct. going to, if it was a fatal wound type of a wound. Sure. Um, and, and, and I think uh, the, the way I rationalize in my own mind, people trying to, um, exercise some basic rights in my estimation, the, the, the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and happiness could be the pursuit of your life and, and sustenance. What's liberty um, even? Right. Right. And life. Well, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> That's liberty and it's um, life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is there not some right 
and and I use that word kind of in, in, a, in, a, in an awkward way because I don't want it to be confused with with you know the Constitution. Although I think the Constitution would support this. The, my answer to this question: Isn't there some right that the individual has to make a decision about their own um, being, as long as it doesn't have a direct impact on someone else? Well, I mean, this is the natural rights question, right? Uh, do natural rights exist? I don't think you can make an argument that the natural rights don't exist. Like, for, for, forget the Constitution, put the Constitution aside. Right. The whole idea of the Constitution is that it enshrines the natural rights that already exist. That's right. That's right. It didn't create them. It it, it acknowledged them. Right. And th- this is something that I, I want to talk about uh, at some point in, in more depth. Uh, th- this is a particular point for me. Um you, you know I am a, a huge supporter of the Second Amendment, I- at least mm-hmm. insofar mm-hmm. as what it's intended to protect. Uh, there's very little of the Constitution that I think is objectionable. Uh, maybe some of the later amendments we can talk about. Um, but uh, the whole idea, uh, I do have a problem with a lot of guns rights people. Um, I think the spirit of what they're trying to do is very good, but I think the semantics of how they're going about it is problematic because they often take a position that's similar to saying the second amendment amendment grants us the right to bear arms and that is completely untrue it is so untrue that if you take that position you've already lost the the guns rights argument um, because you have the right to bear arms because if you even read the Second Amendment, it says um, uh, being necessary to the uh, uh, security of a free people or whatever, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. It doesn't say they have the right to bear arms. It says they have the. It says it already exists, and because uh, uh, of all these other reasons, that right that already exists should never be infringed. Right. Um, and and all of the uh, basically all of the uh, Bill of Rights is written that way, and that's one of the reasons that I have problems with some of the later amendments is they 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 lose that basis in natural rights necessarily so because they're not based in natural rights, and that's where you know you and I understand well I don't want to get into strict or loose constructionism on the Constitution, but it's a different story for a different time. But my point being. That, but it's um, not too far. It's not too far from some of the points that we're 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 bringing up here tonight. Sure, right? some of sure. the things are are very connected to that. I'm not asking. I'm not saying we. Sh- this is when we should go down that down that path of of a discussion on the Constitution and, and, and perspectives. But but they are connected. That, that I think that's that's a um, a really important point point from my perspective is that the the points that we're making they are absolutely connected to uh, number one, uh, our constitution, which as you, as you well said, doesn't create the rights that we have. It yeah. acknowledges the rights and, and seeks to protect the rights, the natural rights that we have. Um, because I think it says that it says certain rights, uh, inalienable rights are endowed upon us by our creator. Right. And that's sort of, I think is sort of the, 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 the foundation. Nevertheless, go ahead with what you're saying. I'm sorry, I kind of derailed yeah. there. But well, that, 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 you're also you're also <laughs> starting to hit on the points of why I don't think the Constitution is a great document. 
Uh, and I know that's a controversial statement, but uh, oh, I have, here comes here come the arrows now. Here, yeah, I know. Scene, right? It's like I've got I've got strong <laughs> opinions on that. I, I think I know. I think the intention of a lot of the Constitution is is very sound, and and there I think the reason exi- it exists is sound. But I anyway, we can talk about that at a different time. Uh, but bringing this back to the whole the first uh, amendment, I, the First Amendment allows you to say what you just said, though. Bob. No, it doesn't. No, that's my point. That's exactly my point. It, it protects your right to say it. Exactly. I have <laughs> right. the right. To say it regardless of what that fair, paper fair says. Point. I actually said that and then I went ahead and, and, yeah. and refuted what I just said. But yes, it, it, uh, it certainly prote- protects your right to say that. Correct. It in- it's intended to protect. That, that, that's, and that's my, my real beef with the Constitution is it doesn't protect, right? right. Clearly, it doesn't protect. So it, it is a Anyway, I don't. We need to do an episode just about the Constitution. <laughs> we'll be here for four hours with me rambling on about it. But, um, one, one, actually, one last thing before we pivot, focusing more on back on this uh, situation in Texas the, about the Constitution. A lot of people will take in this situation the Tenth Amendment, states' rights amendment, right? Any yep, yep. not heretofore whatever are delegated to the states, right? Um, but the the reality of it is that um, uh, the states have no right to regulate um, who can be in business and who can't be in business. And and again, that's a somewhat controversial statement because licensing laws, this, that, and the other. We could talk about that at another time. But I I think that that there's there's no right of the states to regulate who can be in business, who can't be in business. Regardless of that, that's kind of the basis for our our idea here is that that this lady's trying to to live like, it, it, even even if you you can make the argument, oh well, she didn't really need it. It doesn't matter. You're not the one to sit in judgment of whether she needs it or not, right? Or, or, or are you some some uh, communistic council to d- declare who who who? You know, no, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but there have been developments here. So, um, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Dole, but um, she actually uh, went to trial with this, um, and the judge um, gave her an opportunity to renounce her actions um, before sentencing. And, um, she didn't, uh, you know, and, uh, again, here comes my opinion more, but uh, respect to her, uh, she stood up and said, you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe, maybe some people would couch this as a little farcical, but I, I don't, I don't think so that, you know, judge, I, I respect this court, but I, I will not comply. You know, she didn't say will not comply, but she said, you know, I, I won't, uh, follow with this order because, uh, what you, cause the judge, you know, lambasted her saying, you know, that, you know, selfish, this, whatever the other. And she said, I don't, you, you, I have to disagree with your claim of it being selfish because, uh, I, I was doing this so that I could feed my children and so that my employees could feed their families as well. And, and I don't count that as selfish. And so it's like, you know, good on you for going on record, you know, you know, just Absolutely. going at, at the, so, so the what, system, what so the, to speak. What part of the law gives the judge the authority to, 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 to we're getting there. someone about, about selfish? Yeah, we're, we're getting, <laughs> I know, I know exactly. We're, we're getting there, um, uh, which is, is interesting. Uh, so, so she got sentenced to seven days in jail and $7,000 fine. Um, and so it turns out that the, uh, Governor of Texas and the Attorney General of Texas basically immediately called for her release because, like, you can't do this. <laughs> like, even under executive order, you can't do this. So the the good thing is uh, that proclamation, particularly from the governor, um, is a good indication 
that um, the executive orders are relatively toothless and however much this mm-hmm. judge wants them to not be. Um, and, and also uh, I did read earlier this evening uh, before we got started here that uh, the uh, United States attorney general uh, Barr, uh advised all of the AGs of the states that to be vigilant for any kind of breach of constitutional rights, you know, because like mm-hmm. overstepping judges, overstepping mayors, overstepping, you know, all these other uh, politicians. Um, so, so, so who stood in prosecution of this lady? In that the, the, the city of Dallas. Okay. So it was, so it was the local prosecutor yes. that really didn't have to, the, the politician prosecutor, the right. elected prosecutor that didn't have to answer political, excuse me, did not have to answer except for to the voters per se. Right. And, and, and uh, has an incentive to collude with the judges of sure. the circuit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, uh, not to say that they did collude, but I mean, they, they just do oh. because they, they need to form good relationships so that they can do things like uh, speedy trial for, you know, plea bargains, et cetera. Um, and but get, anyway, uh, and get uh, search warrants and things such as that. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. You know, that, that push the lines of reasonableness and, and maybe sometimes ex- exceed those lines of reasonableness. Well, we, we don't. Let's be fair. We don't know that that happens in Dallas because I don't no, have any. No, absolutely uh, no. But we know that that has happened in some jurisdictions. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did not mean to disparage that particular prosecutor, just speaking in, in, in a general sense, right? Right. Well, I mean, having, with, having, with, having had a this, few years work experience in uh, uh, in the criminal justice system, uh, I, I know. And, and yeah. we, well, we've seen we've seen all the, the, the cop shows on TV, how the, the back, back office deals. I know it's all made <laughs> up, but, but, but it's made up based on uh, some sense of, of reality, despite the fact that they always say this, these, the facts in this case are not based on any particular recent event. Well, we, we know, we know that uh, warrants are procured through extremely thin circumstances and, and claims and, and whatnot. Right. Just look at the, and this, we, we have to do a whole podcast on this, the Duncan Lemp situation. Do you know who Duncan Lemp is? I do not know Duncan Limp. His his name was Duncan Limp. Um, anyway, that's just a thing. Uh, we need to talk about we need to talk about him. Uh, it's like a you know a thing going around on on the internet. It's like you know we won't forget who he is. He 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 is Duncan Limp. Um, uh, a really really bad situation there. Uh, but mm-hmm. we won't talk about that now. Uh, we we need to go in on that, and you, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. You and me. Um, okay. So so the governor and the AG, the state attorney general. Uh, in Texas, intervened. Yes. Well, they they didn't intervene. They they called for her to be released. And I believe I read. I did not read this in an article or with any uh, real source. But I saw a claim that the uh, Texas Supreme Court overturned the case. Hmm. Um. And okay, because I, was I hope that's ask, the case. <laughs> uh, you and me both. Because I was going to ask, what public good? Would it serve for her to spend seven days in jail and pay a $7,000 fine in light of what she was trying to accomplish? This is also the same, one of the same jurisdictions where they let out um, uh, people who are convicted of crimes early because of the, the virus situation. Irony upon ironies, right? I know, yeah. right? Exactly. Let's, let's let out the people who are actually criminals and put into jail the people who aren't criminals. Right. That makes total sense, right? Yeah. Well, good. I, well, maybe, maybe good. Maybe, maybe this is, yeah. is uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes, and, and you know, uh, 
let me just say that my original uh, college degree was was in criminal justice. And so I studied some things that I, that I never used, studied a lot mm-hmm. of things that I did use throughout my professional career. But um, uh, but one of the things that I, uh, I studied was uh, the whole idea behind civil disobedience. Oh, right? yeah. And, and a lot of people misunderstand civil disobedience. This lady, I'm not saying she did civil disobedience. I think she was, she was looking, uh, uh, in my estimation, based on what little bit I know, at, at pure ex- exercising of her, I, of her rights and, and livelihood. Civil disobedience requires a law to be disobedient against. I think she just right. did the, the right rational thing. Right. And, and, and the whole thing, it's a, it's a civil disobedience is a law that, that exists, but it's knowingly doing so willingly accepting the punishment to make a point about the, either the unreasonableness, the unfairness or the, the inappropriateness or whatever the case may be. And, uh, uh, you know, this is sometimes it takes either an intentional civil disobedience or a substitutionary civil disobedience, yeah. which is what maybe she, she could be I mean, thought she, to have done. She certainly acted in, in a civilly disobedient quote unquote way. Sure. Sure. Yeah. In, in, in a way with, you know, with, with good intentions, right? She was not sure. Obviously not out to try to harm anybody. No. Right. I mean, I, I don't think that the, the prosecutor, the judge or anyone could have said, Oh, you were trying to trying to harm someone. Well, you know, uh, again, I want to tie this back to this, this, this gunshot wound where, you know, someone responds to that with the way they think it needs to be dealt with right then, but then you've got to respond differently shortly thereafter. Yeah. I think, I think what she was doing was responding shortly thereafter. Right. Yeah, definitely. And and I think one of the things that you mentioned before, uh, this is the last thing that I want to speak about on this topic before we go to the next one, um, is, um, I think you said something about um, how is it that judge's place to you know reprimand her basically, and 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 that's that's a real problem that I think in in this situation that is the worst worst part of it. Not that she got arrested. That's really bad. Not that she had to go through trial. That's really bad. The worst part of it is that this judge who is supposed to be exercising actual jurisprudence, sits up there and is effectively acting as an activist for sure. his position. Absolutely. That is unacceptable and in behavior completely unbecoming of a judge. He, he needs to be removed from his position after that, if you ask me. Sure. Well, I think, I think there, is, there is an angle where I think it can make sense to uh, advocate and that's on the other side of it. When you're trying to uh, uh, direct, mentor, guide, influence people out of a, a, a criminal situation or a life of crime um, toward a more productive law-abiding you know, existence. Sure. Right? I mean, cause, and, and, and they, that requires that, a crime to have been done. Pardon? That requires a crime to have been done. Absolutely, but but my point being is is that's 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 the opposite end of that activism, right? It's but it's more with the outcome of the the greater good of that that individual. That there's we, no way that that judge but, that when he was chastising this woman, that that his his intent was to her greater good. It wasn't. It was it a was, scare was, tactic. That's it all was it was. A scare tactic. It was his own feel good in public. Hey, look, see what I did. Sure. 
oh, yeah. I chastised her. And, and so I stood up strong for this, uh, uh, situation, right. Pandering. And I'll say, use the word pandering yeah. to those that heard him because he knew he was being watched, right? There's no of question course. that he knew that that was you know going to be followed by the media and, and, and what also, yeah, I, I I'm with you on that. That's, that's one that, um, I, I knew judges. I used to work for a judge, some wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, but sometimes they get, uh, not any of the ones that I knew and worked with, but, uh, they can get a little too, uh, drunk on their own power. Well, I think the, the, the real problem that I have with the entire proceeding is that I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the judge. And if this case comes before me, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to see what the, the claim is that she's violated, right? Mm -hmm. What has she violated? Oh, this is an executive order. Okay. What is the basis for this executive order? Okay. Here's the code in Texas state law that says that, that the governor or whoever issued this order can issue, can issue this order. Okay. Um, is, is this order, does this order one literally outright prohibit the activity that she was engaging in or does it recommend, you know, a lot of these things mm -hmm. are, are, are verbiage as recommend. Uh, sure. if it's recommend, then the only thing that I can do is, as I can advocate for the recommendation of the executive order and use my position as a judge to make that statement because you can then because that, you're mm -hmm. literally interpreting what's on the books and you're, right. you're, you're speaking until what's on the books. So that, that would be totally fine. If he, if he patted her wrist or whatever saying, look, ma'am, you really shouldn't be doing this. There's a reason that the governor issued these orders. I don't, I don't agree with it, but I, if, if I were in that position, I, I, I would, I would probably go against the, uh, the, the uh, governor or whoever made that, that proclamation. But even, even aside from that, even if he did agree with it, which clearly he did, you know, he would, he, I think he should be well within his, his, uh, uh, that jurisprudence to be able to make that statement, although he couldn't enforce anything. I think that he would have to let her go. And just with that kind of a warning, um, sure. if there is some basis in law for it, then in this sort of situation, more than he normally would, he needs to look to see if there is any, uh, relevant case law that, uh, or, 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 uh, precedent to, to, to mm -hmm. lean on. Uh, in in Texas state law, if not he, and even if there is really, he needs to look at constitutional law as well because this is fundamental rights we're talking about. This isn't like jaywalking down the street in downtown Dallas, right? right. Uh, we're talking about fundamental human rights. Um, so, and it's very clear he did none of that, none of that. And he just got up there. He had his opinion and his interpretation, and, and he gave it to her. The reason why that's a problem, and I'm going to call this out specifically, and this literally is the last thing I'm going to say about it. We cannot allow that behavior to happen with our judges because then they're going to begin to be able to collude directly with the executive branches of their own state governments, and they will cut out legislatures, and they will completely kill any idea of checks and balances that we have in this country. And as much as you know, I have some... Uh, beef with the systems that we do have in place. There's reasons the systems are in place and, and, and they become a farce if we don't hold them to the account that they say they should be held to. Sure. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. All right. So I said a lot about that one. <laughs> time to catch your breath. I think, I think, yeah. I think we had a lot to say about that, about that topic. That's for sure. Yeah, no um, doubt. Um, so you have time to move on to our next topic. Uh, that's a little time, sure. All right, so the the other topic, and, and, and maybe we won't go so deep in this one, although I feel similarly fervently about it, um, 
in the city of Jackson, Mississippi, the mayor there, this was early last week, I think, something along those lines. I, mm-hmm. I need to start putting dates on my stories so that <laughs> we can get that accurate. But uh, sometime early last week, I think the uh, uh, mayor of Jackson, Mississippi, issued an executive order to suspend open carry uh, law. Whatever uh, it's, it's the, and this is uh, this is really funny. That's I think the way he phrased it to suspend open carry law in Jackson, and you know he gave reasons for it, terrible reasons. You know, uh, children that had been killed because of mm-hmm. uh, at least one was in the crossfire of of a situation. Um, I mean, just just gut wrenching, terrible things, and and uh, nothing that I I say here do I want to undermine that. Um, but right. I think I think the conclusions that he came to and the approach that he took is not even going to address the the base the, those problems that are issues that that he he raised as the basis for his his action. So the first thing that I want to call out call out here is just the ludicrous nature of why he says that he wants he wanted to suspend open carry. He says that having open carry makes it harder for police officers to identify weapons which may be may have been illegally obtained and that that makes no sense to me at all whatsoever because i, I i'm pretty sure that people who've obtained weapons illegally don't open carry right because his his, his rationale yeah his rationale is that Cops can't just stop somebody and, and start, you know, interrogating them, frisking them, whatever, if they see a gun. Because open carry is legal, they can't do that. So they need to be able to be unencumbered to do that. So that if somebody's open carrying, that they can basically accost that person. Um, so so someone that what? is... <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. I was just, uh, yeah, someone, I was just someone that is... You're reacting to, to that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone who is uh, a law-abiding... Uh, citizen who is openly carrying, uh, violating no laws, now has, uh, or at least this this mayor was attempting to try to remove that right because of someone that might be doing something, right? right? That might have been illegally, you know, uh, open carrying a weapon uh, foolishly if they were, you know, a convicted felon or the gun wasn't, you know, obtained legally or whatever. Where if they did break a law, that would be the first thing they would, you know. Be looked into, right? Exactly. Do you, do you have the right to 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 carry? Are you a felon? Are you? Do you have a, a carry permit or whatever the 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 regulation would be locally down there? Uh, yeah, it, it's it is uh, uh, sad that a lot of of our political leaders and and I don't really know what to call them. I, I want I don't want to be you know critical or negative because a lot of our uh, uh, governmental leaders have good hearts, right? They have good intentions. And I have no doubt that the mayor of, of Jackson, Mississippi felt and believed in his heart that he had a good intention uh, in, in, in doing what he did. But the reality of it is they're not experts in behavior. They're not experts in uh, constitutional law. They're not experts in a lot of things. Uh, they probably are expert in some things or at least uh, have much knowledge. But when they start getting into territory, they shouldn't be getting into without consulting those experts they should be consulting with, uh, they find themselves in, in doing some things that are emotional based. Right. And I think this was, this was exactly one of those. I, I think uh, so. Um, I, I think that, 
it's it's clear on so many levels that this was completely driven by emotion. Either the, you can make one of two arguments. It was driven either by complete emotion or by complete desire for control. It, it was one of those two, right? Mm-hmm. And let, let let's try to take the generous interpretation. Then it was right. by emotion and not by just outright trying to grab control, um, which I think you can make a good argument for that too. But um, sure. the the reality of it is that if you allow those kinds of emotions to cause you to do similar actions to these, that only ends in one place and that's absolute fascism. Cause that's mm-hmm. literally the definition of fascism is that I have uh, I, these beliefs that these things are good, these things are bad and we're going to use law to enforce it. And, you know, and then we're going to pick who can do this and who can do that. And then only they can do it. And the laws going or the state's going to support that or defend their right to be the only ones to do that, you know, or ability to be the only ones to do that. That's fascism. And we can't go down this route. It doesn't matter how good-willed you are. It doesn't matter how, uh, um, you know, much your heart yearns to do good things. And believe me, my heart yearns to do good things. I, I know. Um, and I know that, that a lot of people have really, really pure intentions with, wanting to support things like this. Um, but the path to hell is paved with good intentions. I mean, there's a reason sure. that phrase exists. Um, the other thing that I think's outlandishly silly about this um, executive order that the mayor signed um, is that there's no open carry law in Mississippi. It's a constitutional carry state. So basically, mm-hmm. they're deriving their ability to carry openly <laughs> from the Constitution. So there's literally nothing that he's suspending that he can be suspending. Right. It's ridiculous. He, it, 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 it's not exactly the same thing, but it's very similar to what uh, uh, Alexander Haig did when uh, you know, President Reagan was shot. You know, Alexander Haig was the Secretary of State, and he, he didn't know what the chain of command was. And so he jumped out in front and said, I'm in charge when he, he really wasn't the, the chairman pro tem of the Senate, right? The, the, actually the vice president, president pro tem, president pro tem, you know, uh, uh, in the Senate is, is, was the next in, in line. And, uh, but, but the point being, again, with good intentions, he was a, a, a general and, and, and that's what generals do. That's what military leaders do is they take charge. Um, and he did with good intentions, but it was certainly mm-hmm not appropriate and not legal. Uh, fortunately, there's no harm done. Uh, but uh, uh, it appears that the mayor of Jackson, Mississippi sort of did, had his own Alexander Haig moment, right? Yeah. I'm in charge. I'm going to do this when you go, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Might've been a good idea in your head, but not when it comes out into reality, because especially when you go, Hey, this is where a constitutional carry state. We're not, you know, we don't have a law that uh, uh, speaks speak specifically to that. And so the developments here are that, um, again, almost immediately, I think the next day, the Mississippi Attorney General wrote a nicely worded, when I say nicely worded, I mean, he he wasn't trying to be disparaging in any sort of way, letter to the mayor of Jackson saying, basically, um, I suggest that you rescind your executive order. Um, and, and not only do I suggest you, res- because you know it has no basis in constitutional law, uh, you're you're uh, you're attempting to violate you know constitutional rights of the citizens of Mississippi. Uh, but not only that, um, the part that you claim that uh, the part of the code that you claim that the executive order is suspending 
does not actually grant open carry, and there is no open carry law in Mississippi. It's a constitutional carry state, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, I, I read the whole, it was like two pages. I read the letter, like I said, he was uh, cordial, uh, was not disparaging, was factual, and uh, but, you know, gave a little bit of, I, I, you really should do this because this is the right mm-hmm. thing to do for, for citizens of, of your city. And um, uh, I don't think he took any action, the, the mayor that is. Um, and the last action that I've seen on this is that the uh, Mississippi Justice Institute, um, along with um, somebody in their government, um, I didn't see who, but it's it's uh, I think one of the it maybe one of the state reps or something like that. Yeah, it's one of mm-hmm. the state representatives uh, got together with the Mississippi Justice Institute, and they're suing the mayor of Jackson. Um, uh, so that I think it's good that that action is being taken. Uh, the sad part is that this, the city of Jackson has hired an attorney attorney to defend themselves. <laughs> so they're they're going to waste even more taxpayer money to to try to continue this debacle. To defend a defenseless uh, stance. To defend something that has no claim basis for its claim. <laughs> it's right, so ridiculous. Right. Sure. <laughs> uh, oh man, uh, that's the world so, we live so in. Though. Yeah, you're you're right. I, that's that's the that's the thing, and and uh, that too many times people take things that they're told and that they hear and even that they read at face value, yeah, without questioning it. Oh, well, sure. He said it or she said it, so it's got to be true. It's got to well, be accurate. So I'm gonna he, I'm gonna embrace it and and run with it. Well, you know why people do that. That's what we've been taught to do. We we were taught for 12 years straight, 13 years straight in school to do that. Read the book, learn it. Read the book, learn it. We, we've been, for lack of a better term, indoctrinated to function that way, our brains to function that way. We've had very little uh, ability to exercise critical thinking. Even even students who are in, you know, uh, more accelerated classes or, you know, uh, uh, you know, on a track for like college prep sort of stuff. Like even in those courses, very little critical thinking outside of narrow band of, well, you should think this and then you should think this and then you should think this. Uh, I don't want to divert too much on this topic, but I just remembering when I was uh, really getting into uh, critique of literature in high school and, um, you know, we, you'd have to read something and write an essay on it, you know, and it was like talking about interpreting what the author meant. It always struck me as so weird. It's like, how do you know that's what the author meant? Like, wh- why? I mean, you can give a reason. You can say, it appears that, that or, or an interpretation of this could be, and here's the reason mm-hmm. for my interpretation of it. But it was never couched that way. It was right. never couched that way. It was for determining what the author actually meant. And to me, that, again, is not trying to actually teach critical thinking. It's trying to teach, uh, it's trying to teach a mouse how to run a maze. Right. And where it looks like there's a lot of action going on, but he's going the same way and he's always going to end up in the same place. And so it, it, it's, it's action for almost nothing. Let's just take the maze out of the way and go straight to the goal. Right. That, that's mm-hmm. that's really what to me it's it always felt like. Right. And, and the sad part is that there's there's a great deal of the populace that still that's the only way they know to think. Sure. Right. And, and when you challenge it, the, their immediate response is to is to to dig their heels in and defend yeah. without, without rationale, 
but with emotion. Again, we go back to the to the thing about emotion, uh, you know, the point of emotion. Um, and and you know, I, I think you and I both uh, will agree that we 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 fancy ourselves to be you know uh, contrarian in some respects, critical thinkers. Oh, yeah. We don't take things at face value. We yeah. you know why right? You know the seven whys. Why? Why? I mean, that, you know, to get to, to the core of something. And, uh, but I, I think that there's, there's value in that, right? Because, um, uh, if you don't know why you think and believe what you think and believe, do you really think and believe it? Sure. Sure. Or are you just, are you just parroting something? You, and, and my, you're my programmed is, at that point, right? You're, you're just programmed. Right. And, and my fear is that we have a lot of people, uh, in, in our, in our country and in the world today that, that, that live that way. They're waiting for the voice that they can hear that they'll just go after, right? They'll, they'll go, they, they, they trigger the, and, and they'll, they'll follow that without really understanding why. Again, I don't want to open this can of worms, but it's a can that needs to be open at some point in time. And that is, that is the, the generational differences in, um, and, and it's always existed, but I think it's, it's particularly acute right now, the generational differences in interpretation of, of, of government, of rights, of societal norms. Uh, I'm trying to avoid the whole political, sure. you know, liberal and, and, and left and right and, you know, liberal and conservative. What, but, well, but I mean, why avoid it? I mean, those are, those are terms that are used. And I mean, if you're, you just want to try to have a rational discussion about it, it doesn't mean you have to vilify either position. You can describe your, your thoughts on it and your perspective on it. Right. In my intention, I guess, I guess I'm doing the counter of, of trying to not say the trigger words. Right, the the words that trigger people to immediately start emotional. <laughs> yeah, I hear, I hear you. I hear you. It doesn't do anything. It happens anyway. It happens anyway. Right. Right. Uh, um, yeah. You, you you're going to intimate it if you don't outright say it. So you might right. as well be as clear as you can with the things that you're trying to say. That's right. And, and, and so you know, I think that there's there's this whole uh, uh, fear, and 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 on, especially on the extremes of the spectrums, whatever the spectrum is, uh, political or, or social, socioeconomic or or social norms or whatever, that the, the extremes uh, are s- certainly uh, susceptible to that. Uh, but they tend to probably know more clearly what they, why they believe what they believe. It's those that are, that are more toward the, 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 the central, uh, the, the ones that, you know, they, they, they will, would prefer to avoid the challenge and the, and the conflict. And I don't mean conflict in a constructive way. I don't mean conflict sure. in a negative, harmful way. Uh, but, but the, 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 the conflict and the, 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 the debate about the the truths and and the realities and the facts of whatever the the situation one would find himself in, uh, and, and kind of going uh, uh, down that path, people just avoid that because they don't they don't they don't want to they don't because they don't feel strongly about their their perspective. What's the yes? It's the principles. It's it's generally the lack of of guiding principles, and I don't mean that again. I don't mean that in a disparaging way. It's just people haven't uh, analyzed their own perspectives, thought processes, biases, etc., to try to understand what do they fundamentally uh, believe about something, right? That, you know, um, I, so I, I personally have a uh, fundamental principle that uh, you, it's what you said earlier, my, my right to throw a punch ends at your face. I, th- I think that's a little harsh of a phrasing because I, th- I think sure. that there, there could be some threat implied at me throwing a, a punch at your that's face right. and there's, that's you right. don't have the right to threaten me. Um, 
but but I mean, putting that aside, I mean, pr- pretty much, I, I I do believe fully that as long as someone's actions do not harm another, they should be able to do whatever action that they want to do, even mm-hmm. actions that other people would find objectionable. I. You may not like it. You can absolutely use uh, a persuasion to try to get them out of that perspective or out of that behavior, out of that action. But they have that fundamental right to do that as long as they are harming no others. Um, mm-hmm. So that to me, that's a real guiding principle. Um, but I think some people are whatever um, their guiding principles are are something that's a little less concrete than that. Like whatever's expedient, whatever right. is more, most beneficial in the short term, you know, right. things like that. They don't necessarily think about that as their principle. They just act that way, right? So their their principles aren't. Um, a basis, their principles get abstracted from their behavior. So, so let me ask you a question. Uh, how many crumbs do you think we drop tonight that will <laughs> uh, present themselves in, in uh, uh, sessions in the future? I mean, I, I, I can I think mean, of at least uh, four, five, six. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Half dozen. I'm sure I, I, I've recorded two here on our notes page. So right. uh, we, we definitely got, I would four, five, six. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think the, uh, uh, the, the concept that we've, uh, uh are talking about here about the, the, these are basic day-to-day things and people, some people don't, don't believe the things we've talked about here tonight or day-to-day matter in the day-to-day, but they do. Oh yeah, they absolutely do, and they they are they are the kinds of things that permit people to not think they matter from time to yeah. time. Yeah, it's the things that matter most. Uh, I think um, uh, I think it was uh, Jordan Peterson who said uh, something along the lines of, um, "You you don't think about the things that you do every day, like brush your teeth, etc." Um, and so because of that, you, we generally take them as, as being not very important, but it, that's, that's the wrong way. Those are the most important things. The things that you do every day that you do without mm-hmm. thinking that are, that are routine and habitualized. Those are the most important things. Um, and that's why you habitualize them is so that you don't have to remember to do them because they are so important. Right. Right. All right. I think I'm spent for the, for, for this round. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds good. We should probably wrap it up here. Um, we've definitely, like you said, we've got quite a few topics for the future. So, uh, Noel, I, it's been a pleasure talking with you as always. Um, Same here. And I definitely look forward to our next conversation. Same here. All Have right. Good one, man. Take care. Until next we'll time. See ya. Bye. Bye.